Hey guys, this is Mike and thank you for listening to Feeling Twisty. So I was talking with, or chatting online with Julie, one of Feeling Twisty's listeners, and we were talking about assuming, and, uh, and specifically, how do you maintain that absolute knowing, or living in the end, like Neville says. And we talked about how Julie even gave examples of uh, even relationships, relationship things, big things, that she just decided this is how it's going to be. It's a done deal. In spite of what friends said and, you know, those close to her said, that's not, that's not right, that's impossible, you're crazy. And then it borne out, it bore out in her uh, physical world. It came about exactly as she assumed it would. And we talked about how even after the fact, knowing she assumed it was a done deal, she still looked back and thought, well, did I really do that? I've done that. I've, you know, brought things, experiences up and done things intentionally. And then looking back at it, had moments where I thought, well, really? Did I really do that? <laughs> the answer is yes. I really did, and you really did, Julie. And everyone really does. Whatever they're experiencing, they can point their finger at no one else. You know that. I talk about that all the time. Neville talks about it. You really can't throw a stick without hitting somebody online <clears throat> that's talking about it. And it's, it's fun to talk about. I love that there's so many people echoing the same thing that Neville said, talking about their own experiences, and sharing that with folks, which is what I like to do. And Julie, to answer your question, I'll, I'll get there in a minute. <clears throat> One thing I do is uh, in those times where I have those moments of doubt, or honestly, days of doubt, you know, where it's... You know, you get in the funk sometimes, at least I did, where it's just like, oh, just nothing seems to be working. I'm not getting it. Of course, I continued to assume I wasn't getting it and that it was hard, and that's exactly what I kept uh, experiencing. One thing I do, though, is <clears throat> I just take a look back at the last couple of years when I started to really intentionally use the imagination, go within and consciously create my experiences, bring them about in my life. And I look at it like the healing that I've talked about a number of times. Uh, one episode is called, I Lived the Wheelchair Life. I can't remember what number that is. Uh, you can check that out though, it's a good one. And then I talked about it again in episode 45, and that's called, uh, the title of that one is, Assume This. Yo, assume this. That's the way it's supposed to be said when you see that. So when you see the title, if you haven't listened to it, I don't say it like that, but that's what I was thinking when I came up with the title. Yo, assume this, but I digress. So I look at the, I look at the healing and how I just assumed I did create an imaginal scene where I put myself in it, just a brief scene. But the scene serves to bring up the feelings, of the, bring it into your imagination, make it feel real which brings about the assumption that it's done. You can use anything in imagination, whatever scene you want. It's the power of, of the scene is the, what it implies. It's implying that your wish is fulfilled. So the, the, in my case, I know the power in it was the assumption that it's done. 
because I had a little conversation with myself that morning where I said I was thinking about traveling with my family. And I said, how can I do any of that in a wheelchair? And then I said, you're right. And then I said, I guess it's time for dystonia, which was the name of the physical, the outward condition, the movement disorder caused by the brain lesions. I guess it's time for dystonia to go. And then I said, okay. And it was right there. It was just that moment. Okay. I took it and accepted it. And I got off the bed because that's where I was. It was Thanksgiving morning. I got off the bed, <clears throat> rolled into my wheelchair, and went about my day. We were going to my family's, my parents' house for Thanksgiving dinner. And I knew what my parents were cooking, the fried turkey and the roasted, or what else, what do you do with the turkey in the oven? Is it baking it or roasting it? I should know that. So they fried a turkey and they cooked the other one in the oven. But I knew my dad was frying a turkey. I took that for granted. And that's the same knowingness, that same feeling of, yeah, this is what's happening. That's the same feeling I had about that little conversation I had about being healed. So wheelchair, wheelchair, wheelchair for six days. On the sixth day, I got out, stood up and absolutely no symptoms whatsoever. So that was all down to the assumption and continue to live in the end. But I didn't, in that case, it was obvious there was no healing, you know, looking at the outward signs. I was still incontinent, still twisted up, muscle contractions, twisting my body, still using crutches and a wheelchair for six days. And uh, I didn't really, I, it's crazy because I just really started hearing about Neville for about a month. I'd started studying him and reading his lectures, but I just knew it was done. I didn't say it had to be done in six days. I just, it was just, it's done. And that's, I don't know other, any other way I can explain that other than how I described it in that little conversation I had with myself. It's done. Okay. And then, yeah, I, I really couldn't have planned that. I couldn't have predicted it. Uh, I did some people that I know that are really into, you know, very religious people saw, you know, the fact that it was seven years. I was sick for seven years. And then on the sixth day after the assumption, I was healed. So seven years and then on the sixth day, uh, I stood up, no more symptoms. So anyway, you can add meaning to those days if you want, but it, I was healed on the moment that at the moment I assumed it was done. I wasn't healed when I stood up. I was healed in that moment, that Thanksgiving morning. And uh, another time, my son Caleb, I mentioned this. If you want to hear this story, I'm not going to get into it very detailed. He was in a very bad motorcycle accident. I don't need to bring, tell the whole story again, but check it out. It's my very first episode. I, uh, you will probably notice when I'm talking in that first episode that I've gotten a lot more comfortable now talking about this. If You'll probably notice that on the first episode, but it's a cool story. Check that out. And actually, if you're not, uh, the only way you'll be able to hear that one is if you go to the Podbean link, feelingtwisty.podbean.com. 
or go to the Podbean app because that's that's my home base for my podcast and that has all, even the earliest podcasts. The other platforms that I send it out to don't have that one, I don't think. So check it out. Uh, it's called Blood and Bones and Forgiveness. Anyway, what I'm getting to that when he was uh, in the accident, and just one quick example, the doctors, you know, we thought he lost, we thought he was going to have uh, bags on his body to urinate for the rest of his life. We thought he, they, they were telling us he's lost all his uh, reproductive organs, that he's um, lost tissue. I mean, a huge chunk of his arm was missing. He almost lost his hand. They said his, the muscle is all gone and they'll have to, you know, take muscle from his chest and other places to put, replace that. And I just assumed as I, as I'm hearing the doctor's voices, I'm revising what they're saying and I'm hearing their voice and them tell me he's doing, we're surprised at how well he's doing. And I, I remember sitting in the recliner in the hospital room that first night, exhausted. And I just went to sleep, hearing the doctor's voice saying those words. We're surprised at how well he's doing. And then the next day, he, the doctor came in and said, we are shocked at how well he's doing. He shouldn't be doing this well. And I wasn't shocked. It's still fun. It was still nice to hear, but I wasn't shocked because I had already gone there in imagination. And that day he had the surgery. He'd already had two surgeries the day before, replaced it, repairing the bones because he'd broken both arm bones. And the day were, the, the doctors were saying he's lost the, all the muscle and a big chunk of his arm. So they go back in to clean it up to prep the arm for the uh, third surgery or fourth surgery to start doing the whole, you know, uh, grafting muscle from his body, other parts of his body. The surgeon comes out afterwards. He said, well, all the ligament, all the uh, tendons were there. Everything's there. So I just, you know, did what he had to do. I can't remember his terms. But the muscle that wasn't there the day before was there on the next day. And all we did, uh, Kim was imagining lovingly for Caleb as well, I didn't take what the doctor said. I didn't let family and friends, their, their sadness and their worry, I just did not let that sink in and, and take hold of me. I didn't buy into that. I knew what to do, and I assumed it was done, and I, I lived in the end of him being better. He got out. They said he would be in the hospital for a couple of months and then a rehab hospital for several months. He got out in two weeks, and the only, he has a scar, his arm where they grafted the tissue, the skin back on, the muscle they didn't have to. He's got a scar there, but the rest of his body, perfectly intact. So exactly the opposite of what the doctors were saying. But I decided that night in the ER, that's not how we're doing this. And I went into imagination and heard what I wanted to hear. So that's cool. Now, both of those cases, I, yeah, I healed myself, but I'm also the one who put myself in that condition. Somebody else didn't make me sick. I made myself sick. And 
I was, decades ago, I was an insurance adjuster and I saw bloody, awful, fatal motorcycle accidents all the time. And then I was a reporter for years and I reported on awful, fatal motorcycle accidents all the time. So when my son got a motorcycle, guess what I was imagining? Yeah. So I created that whole, I put that experience in my life. I brought that up too. So I, I can never blame or point my finger to anybody else. Uh, Julie, I'm getting to my point. My point is that I look at things like that and I see, oh, look what I've done. I did do that. And I did that. What I'm getting at is start noticing when you're feeling, you're feeling those moments of, am I getting this right? Yeah, you are. Because I promise you, you've had some big wins. I know you have, each one of you. If you just take the time to sit down and notice, look around you. I bet you're experiencing wonderful things that you imagined up a while back or recently, but you're so focused on one thing something that doesn't seem to be working, you're focused on that. Why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? That you're not even noticing the wonderful winds that are happening all around you. One day that happened to me, I was brushing my teeth and then I realized, I was thinking about one particular thing and it just, it was like a, I was buzzed with electricity, like bzz, pay attention, look around you. And, and then I realized, I have so much, so many wonderful things are happening already and I'm not even noticing it. I brought this up and I'm not even enjoying them because I'm focused on one thing. So don't do what I did. <laughs> no, but do notice. That's a key for me, noticing, taking a look and seeing, acknowledging my wins and, and that's a good boost. It's like, yeah, I am getting this right. I'm doing this. I do know what it's like to live in the end. Uh, another thing, the big thing, and this is for me, is mental diet, right? Inner talk, our inner conversations. I've seen, uh, I've seen some posts on, uh, I'm in a number of Facebook groups and I've seen some posts in one group that they talk about mental diet as like it's a session, you know, I need, you know, I'm referring to what Neville, Neville calls it mental diet and inner conversations. Uh, other people do too, but these are Neville Goddard groups. And several people were on there were talking about, you know, when I do my mental diet, how many times do I need to do my mental diet a day? And uh, nobody really, I don't know if anybody, I didn't hang around the post along to see what was said, but mental diet is what's always going on. It's what we're always thinking about and feeling. And one day, uh, I had just gotten so frustrated, really fed up with certain things in my life that just were not changing. I mean, no change, not even, not like a little change, nothing, nada, zip. And I got so fed up. Oh, I freaked the heck out. I came in my room and I just, uh, excuse my language, I just lost my shit. 
You ever have one of those days? I just, I hollered, I cried. There were moments where I was screaming, enough! And then I would go from that to just curl up in a ball crying <laughs> and then laughing hysterically. It was just back and forth and it was just like my insides were just getting ripped out. Like I was getting turned inside out. I just had enough with slow, with not getting it in certain areas. And it frustrated me that I know what to do. I'm doing it, aren't I? And I was just hollering. I wasn't hollering at God up in the sky. I was just fed up with myself. And, and I knew as I'm doing it, I'm thinking, don't get angry, but it's okay to be angry. Just don't, you know. And then I was like, screw it. I'm just letting it rip. I just let it all out. Just like a guttural. You ever have one of those just guttural moans and cries just come up from your the depths of your being? Just whoa. Oh, that was a day. But on that day, it was, it was like something snapped inside of me. I had a break, a mental break. <laughs> and that moment, it was, it was like that was it. Either this is right, this all works all the time, or it doesn't work and I'm going back to dumping all this and just going off what I see in front of me, you know? I wasn't really going to do that. But that's what the attitude was like, screw this or not. I need to make the decision right here. And so right there, I didn't just leave it at that. I waited and I stayed in my room by myself until I finally got quiet. And just then a joy came over me. This just is bubbling. I was laughing like I was, I was giddy and joyful. And so it went from this, this like, I feel like I'm dying moments to this light and joy and love just emanating from me and saturating me. And I knew in that moment that this was it. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to see what's what, what's going on. I, I want to know. I know this works. So, I decided right there, I got this. I know, I see what I'm doing. I see exactly what to do. And so I started paying more attention. That was it. I said all that to get to mental diets. I started paying attention, really paying attention to what I'm thinking and feeling throughout the day. And that's when I started noticing, wow, so many things would bring up feelings dealing with that one item, that one thing that I was assuming to be true. And then I started, and you have to be honest with yourself, you really have to look at it and not try to fool yourself. Because I realized that's what I had been doing a lot about some things. When I would have, something would come up and I would have a reaction, a fearful reaction or a worry reaction. I would kind of laugh it off, well that's not it, I'm cool, I'm good, or say something like that to myself. but. Then I started noticing after the whole, you know, mental breakdown day. It was just raw, unfiltered honesty with myself. Like, no, dude, you are worrying. And I used to ignore that. I used to deny that. I'm not worrying. Nope. No, bruh. That's fear you got going on right there. And so I just take a moment and talk to myself. Even the grocery store, I'm sure I look weird. 
I have my earbuds in, so I'm hoping people just assume I'm talking on the phone. But I would just say, Mike, if you're really living in the end, would you be reacting this way? And then I'd just take a deep breath and bring up those feelings of that feeling of the wish fulfilled, get back into the state, that new state of being. Just get right back in and then right back in. Every time I notice it, some days it was like, Jesus, it's like every 20 minutes something happened. I'm thinking about something. You just get it. Instead of beating myself up about it or getting worried, worrying about the worrying, oh, I just loved myself. Just love and honesty. That's worry. All right. Why am I worrying? Because I'm not in the state. Because when you're in the state, whatever state you're in, it comes with the reactions and with the thoughts and beliefs. So if you're like me, for so long, certain things, I just never really moved states. I wasn't dwelling in the new state. There's no way I could have been dwelling in the new state if I was worrying and reacting in fear so often. I know I've said in the past that you know you can have times of doubt and worry and doesn't mean you're not going to get what you've desired. But this was extreme. I was... You know, it was ongoing and constant. You know, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and just be overcome with fear and like, nah, let's just revise that. And but then I really had to take a look at myself and realize and be honest, like, Mike, you never, you never really stayed in the state of the wish fulfilled in this case. You were not living in the end. And that was kind of rough. I didn't like telling myself that, realizing that. that I really never moved? No. You did initially, but then you ripped that seed right out. So, Julie, I hope that answered your question. Mental diet, and I didn't get into the first part of it, you know, the, in the assumption of your wish fulfilled. I talk about that all the time, and 2020 talks about it. I Am Love talks about it. Jill Noel talks about it. Uh, uh, so many people, wonderful people online talk about it. But this was uh, talking about what I... One's a big thing for me, and I'm glad Julie brought it up too. So, so real quick, first, knowing who I really am and really getting it and knowing it. Because for me, I've noticed if I'm fearful and doubtful and worrying and impatient, then I don't really believe that I'm in control. Not really. I say I do. I mouth the words. I read it. Yeah. But if I really believed it, if it was really me, that's what I'm being, then I would not have fear and worry and doubt and impatience stirred up so often. It's just the, not going to happen. You can't really know that you're the God of your universe and really believe it and then be worried by shadows, becoming a victim to circumstance. So knowing who you really are and mental diets. It's what goes on all day long and night. And I used to really get bothered when I would have to adjust myself and revise something or address it. And it's ever since that day, that breakdown day, it's completely different. It's, it's this feeling of love and compassion for myself. Not, I'm not critical. I don't get angry with myself for having moments. 
I actually look forward to it. I'm not imagining up shit. Excuse me, I've said that twice in this episode. Sorry, y'all. I'm not imagining up having problems to think about. I just know I'm living in the end, and I notice now, I'm paying attention to the way I'm feeling and my reactions in all kinds of ways, in, in sneaky ways it comes up. But now I'm, I'm aware of it. And once you're aware of it and you notice it and you face it, it goes away. Yeah. So watch your mental diet. You can't be living in the end and dwelling on crap all day long dealing with that. And if you don't really believe you are in control, that's going to make it slow down too. At least it did for me. All right, guys. Julie, I hope I answered your question. I hope I helped out somebody else. It always helps me when I talk about it too. So Julie, thank you. Uh, gave me something to talk about on a Friday night. Love you guys. This is Feeling Twisty.